Hey y'all, what if you really could change your life? If there was a way to be healthy and intentional in every area of your life? Good news, there is. And we show you how each week on All of You Whole. Hosted by me, Caroline Fossil, entrepreneur, wellness expert, author, and speaker. Every episode is an in-depth look at how to help you get unstuck, be brave in your life choices, and have a meaningful life all either from my own experiences or from the experts I interview. My goal is to help you build a healthy, connected, and intentional life that fulfills your greatest purpose. Today on the show, I welcome my dear friend, Christy Coleman. You may have heard of Christy from her time at Beauty Counter, and that's where I first knew of her. She had so many hats and titles at Beauty Counter, but ended with Chief Artistic Officer. Christy was in charge of creating so many of the products that you and I know and love from Beauty Counter, so I can't wait for you to hear her story, how she came across clean beauty, why it's so, so important to her, and it's so fun because I was at an event in April and I was standing in line for the bathroom behind Christy, and I had one of those moments where I'm like, I know I know this woman, but this is such a different environment than I usually know her in. How do I know this woman? And then all of a sudden, I was like, Christy! (laughs) We had never really officially spent a lot of time together. And so I introduced myself and we just immediately, I feel like, became like sisters. So you're going to love Christy just like I have come to love Christy. And you're really going to enjoy this show. So here we go. Let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Christy. We are so, so thrilled and honored to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. So So, thank you for having me. Oh, of course. Anytime. So for those of my listeners who don't have the pleasure of knowing you yet, could you just tell us a little bit about you? Yeah. So I actually am a makeup artist by trade. I started out doing makeup at a very young age. First, I actually got licensed to do facials. So I'm technically, I'm an esthetician. However, my license is expired. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it was a very long time ago. But I then went on to do makeup, lived in New York City, did lots of runway shows, assisted Kevin Aquan, worked for all the great fashion publications, was fortunate to travel all over the world doing that. And then unfortunately, my father got Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, and I had chose to move back to Texas and take care of him for two and a half years, it was actually two years, but stayed an extra six months and take care of him with my sister while he was transitioning to the end of his life. And so I'd stepped away from makeup a bit. I only made enough money, did took enough jobs to mm. pay for, I owned a home in the country in New Jersey and wasn't ready to sell it. So I actually took care of him and it was through being with him in his final months, which was two years, I had that epiphany of Mm -hmm. looking at ingredients. Formaldehyde was something that was linked to Lou Gehrig's disease. And Mm -hmm. when my dad was passing, he actually said to me, I wonder if I would be in the position that I'm in now, had I have been more conscious of what I was eating or putting in my body or we grew up around crop dusters. Mm -hmm. He was a pharmacist. He did lots of things, but he was a pharmacist. So I was always the weird kid. I just had this intuitive 
streak when I was really young. I was trying to make smoothies in a blender, like <laughs> nobody had any, I'm not super young. So that was not a thing back then. Right. And so, yeah, I think that he sort of gave me that permission and that wink of approval of being like, well, maybe I'm not crazy for thinking like this. Right. And so when he did that, I had moved, he passed and I moved back to New York and then mm -hmm. I had stayed for a couple of years. And then I decided to, I hope you haven't lost anyone that's dear to you. But mm -hmm. when you do lose your parents, I can only speak for myself, but mm -hmm. you do sort of question your, what, what you're doing with your life. Yeah, right? absolutely. And I didn't have children either. So I think I was really saying, what is my like, like, what am I doing mm -hmm. that is making a difference when you have children? I think on a daily basis, you are impacting the world, right? With what mm -hmm. you're sharing with them, how you're raising them, you can show them better ways to eat. However, they might not always want to do that, <laughs> but I just, I didn't have that outlet. And right. so I just was searching and I just got in my truck with my Vitamixer and my dog, I drove cross country, got a place in Venice Beach, and I was really lucky. I picked up a book by Stacy Malkin called Not Just a Pretty Face, and that was mm -hmm. literally almost right when I got there. And it revealed to me all of the ingredients that were in your personal care products. Now, right. having been licensed as an esthetician, I knew that skin was your largest organ. I was always using coconut oil and all of these different ingredients. I loved the health food store. When I lived in Dallas, I lived beside the second Whole Foods intentionally. Yeah, I it's a good place. <laughs> it is a good place. And I was bored and loved that world. But I think I never thought about it when it had to do with makeup because makeup to me was an art. You worked on models, mm -hmm. you washed it off. Right. It didn't work in a department store. So I had a different relationship, I think, with makeup than what most have. And so, yeah, so I picked up that book and it forever changed my life. I'm forever grateful to her for publishing that book and writing it. Yeah. Amazing. So amazing. So I do want to get into switching to a clean makeup kit and sure. talk about that more. But I think a lot of people who already know you from your work with Beauty Counter for being mm -hmm. the clean makeup artist, and you spoke to a little bit of starting out in the makeup industry, but mm -hmm. I'm just curious, what did you do before makeup? Did you have any of those funny, <laughs> like I'm 18 year old jobs? Yeah. So actually, well, I always, I mean, I know it's nuts, but I have always wanted to do makeup. Like since mm. I was wee big, like I would look at sit in the wheat truck and the passenger side on the way to the grain elevator, looking at fashion magazines. My mother would let me charge one beauty product after church on Sundays from the pharmacy. I had a little tackle box. <laughs> and I would do one half my, of my face one way. I mean, I would have been a huge blogger back then. It would have been, right. would have been incredible. <laughs> but yeah, like I always had that beauty interest. I think the job that I had after school was I worked at a Christmas store. So I made Christmas bows. That's so and I awesome. <laughs> and I decorated Christmas trees. That <laughs> it was is seasonal. So Mm -hmm. That is so amazing. But I love that you've had this passion forever, which makes sense because I do feel like you meet these people who you're like, that's who they are. And that's mm -hmm. really cool to me that it's just been a part of you for so long. And my daughter's the same way. Like my she daughter is. is absolutely an artist. 
And I will never forget this moment. She's five years old. She's in wow. kindergarten. And I'm like, Ella, she's sitting at the table coloring, which should have been a clue to me, but she's sitting there coloring. And I'm like, Ella, you know, you're in kindergarten. Now's the time that people start their afternoon mm -hmm. activities. Mm -hmm. And like, is there anything you want to do? Maybe you want to try some sports. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she paused for like three whole seconds and yeah. looked up at me and was like, mom, you know, I'm an artist. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, why That's would amazing. you even suggest that I do sports? I'm like, okay, let's not even waste our time. We're just, <laughs> we're no. going to go straight to art. Oh, man. That's so, so cute. Yeah, she has to go. Go ahead. Yeah, I think, listen, I think some, I think many people, and, and I don't know this for sure, obviously, I don't study human behavior, but I do think that you, if you come from a loving, thriving family that encourages you to be who you are and mm -hmm. doesn't sort of push it to the side and make you do other chores or round out your, I don't, I'm, I'm at a loss for words, but I think, I don't know. I think there is, I think we all know a little bit mm -hmm. what we're good at or what is, or what we're passionate about. Right. Yeah. And you don't always have to be like, there's so many things, even with artistry, like makeup, painting, everything, like right. you get better over time, the more you do it. So it's like a muscle, you have to exercise it. So if it is encouraged when you're young, I think that people would be a lot happier. I think people would end up in jobs that they don't necessarily care about. And it's really takes their soul because they, and you're kind of like, okay, well, what were you passionate about when you were a kid? Totally. Is there anything that brings light to your life? Right. No, I agree. And it's funny because I'm a paleo food blogger. I have a cookbook, yes. all these things. Yes. And I, awesome. as a child, I actually created recipes. Like, Interesting. Not, and, and like, I'm talking like before I could write, yeah. And I would, I would measure everything out. And then I would call my mom in wow. and be like, okay, write down a fourth of a teaspoon of garlic powder and a half a teaspoon salt. And I would make her write it down. And then she still has recipe cards where I wrote at the top, this is a good one. That's incredible. Have <laughs> you ever published one. those? Or I should. Ever... I know. I you need to get put her. those on Instagram or just put them out for your next cookbook. Exactly. And you know, just... they're terrible. They're probably terrible, but I'm like, this one? I keep this one. Listen, you never know. There could be a good idea there. <laughs> exactly. Well, I want to chat. At the beginning, you were mentioning how you weren't thinking about makeup the way that you mm -hmm. were thinking about maybe some of the other things that you were putting on your body. And let's also take a step back and just appreciate the fact that you were using coconut oil on your body. And that was at a time where that wasn't happening yet. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like you were ahead of your time. Like, I feel like even in the last eight years, I've been asking myself, what's going on in my skin? What's going in mm -hmm. my body? And so I feel like mm -hmm. you were ahead of the curve in that in general. But I want to hear about how you made this switch to a cleaner makeup kit. And it sounds like you had a really big why. But was that a hard switch, especially when you need something to be so high performing when you're mm -hmm. in like the Moroccan desert and the makeup mm -hmm. needs to stay on? Absolutely. So basically after reading that book, then I had a garage and, and, or no, that's not true. In my first space, it was really small. I then shortly moved into another place in Venice that I turned the garage into sort of a workspace. But 
originally what I did was really after that reading that book, I started trying to find products that were positioning themselves as better for you. I mean, clean, the word clean didn't exist then. But tell me what year we're in. We're like 2007, 2008. So even still pretty recently. Yeah, it was like 14 years ago about that word didn't, I mean, people were using sort of non-toxic and Mm. green. Green Mm -hmm. was a big sort of buzzword. And so I just started trying to understand like the differences between the FDA and then also the European rules and started just looking for brand statements and positioning on product. Mm -hmm. I started buying a ton of loose things that didn't have binders Mm -hmm. that basically were really hard to work with. You'd be on set and you'd open it up in a wind gust. Yeah, that's so tough. Yeah. So I think there were... There was so many learning curves in mm-hmm. that. And I took a couple of years. I started a blog and a website to hold myself right. accountable because I thought if if I put it out in the world, then I have to stand by it. Right. I know. I know. And it's I mean, hard. You know that. <laughs> it yes, is it's hard. so hard. But it's like if I'm in a pinch and I'm doing someone for live television, right. whether it was whoever it was then David Letterman, Leno, the Today Show, then if I'm struggling, like I could pull out that blush that I've used, that I know that color looks good on camera. I know how it reflects the light. Right. I know how it's going to set on the skin. Like my entire career, I had used certain products. And Mm -hmm. so, and that was a 20 year career. So you have your tried and true. It's like taking away your flour and salt and sugar and yeah. trying to make a new recipe. With cassava flour. It's hard. <laughs> it is hard. Yes, exactly. So that was really my experience when yeah. I relate it to what you're trying to do mm-hmm. as well. So I tried to practice on myself a lot. And then I didn't want to incorporate like cleaner products into my traditional kit, because I knew if I did that, then I would actually never, ever make the switch entirely Sure, because it would just be like, eh, I'll salt and pepper this in. And then maybe I use it. I start off 50%, then it's 40, 30, 20, 10, five, one. Yeah. So So you, did you make a full switch then? Like you switched everything out? I made a full switch and I had a job with Cheryl Crow and it was early in the morning, like early, like it was one of those East coast, but we were doing it live Uh, from a studio in Burbank or somewhere. Right. And the light was horrible and the station didn't have a hair and makeup room. Really. It was just like kind of like a little thing in the corner and it was a disaster. And I had (laughs) worked on her before. And I mean, I remember getting in my truck and calling my agency just basically in tears. And I was like, I think I've made a horrible mistake, you know, Mm. and my agency, they didn't understand what I was doing. I had already taken off time to take care of my father Mm -hmm. and you know, I'd lost some momentum in the industry. And when I came back, they were just like, there were lots of consulting agreements for traditional brands that I basically was like, don't put me up for them. And they're Mm. just like, how can you turn this stuff down? You've already taken. And I was like, because it's important to me. And I knew somebody was going to have to like put a stake in the ground, right? Because if not, 
it would never change. It would never change. And so I just kept going and I lost clients. And because my work wasn't as, it's like, it just wasn't as good. The colors that were available to me were not as vibrant or. And and how many, what products were available? Like when you first made the switch and you first started, did you feel like there was a limitation of products across the board? 150%. And even the way the foundation shades were, Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, there are so many makeup brands that are developed by makeup artists for a reason. Right. Also, the bigger brands that aren't developed by makeup artists also hire makeup artists to Uh develop those brands because they understand skin tone. They understand where the gaps are. They understand to have a complexion product not made by a makeup artist is overwhelming to me. So there was a lot of that. There were a lot of mostly sort of like, I hate the word hippies, but that's how people refer to it. Totally. that were shunned for thinking differently or yes. it can, and those were my tribe. I love to help food store. And they were just passionate people who were trying yes. to make products, but they didn't have the expertise of having mm-hmm. done makeup. So, sure. so I ended up having to mix everything. I'd have oh to mix foundations gosh. with creams to try to get the level of productivity and right. application. Uh, oh my gosh. Shadows. So it was a I lot just of like, I can't imagine. But also too, I feel like back in the beginning days, Mm -hmm. and even to this day, you have the brands that they want to be literally dirt. Do you know what I mean? Like they want their ingredients to be like the kiss of a rose on your lips, which Mm -hmm. is great. And a lot of people want that. Mm -hmm. But I would love to chat about Beauty Counter a little bit. And what I love about Beauty Counter is I tell people, if you want that like kiss of the rose, that is not Beauty Counter. Go yeah. find go find where that is. But what yeah. Beauty Counter does is offer safe solutions that actually work. And I think that the that actually work is the really important part for people like you who are doing makeup for the Golden Globes or the sure. Oscars or people who don't want their makeup to melt off their face in Texas Hill Country. So I want to know. Now we've kind of, I think, gotten to the beauty counter stage. So how yep. did you start working with beauty counter and what was your first capacity working with them? Yep. So right before beauty counter, I was in the thick of my blog, my website. Mm-hmm. I had yeah. an e-commerce site. I was selling what I thought or not thought, but were cleaner brands. Right. And So I had also manufactured these like cotton makeup bags that were organic cotton, Mm. was selling those. So I had a, I had a plan in place, right? Mm -hmm. I was going to do a brand at some point, do a line of cosmetics. And then I was introduced to Greg and Greg had a passion for environmental health. Mm -hmm. Um, She had seen Inconvenient Truth, which I, you hear speak of regularly. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up partnering with her and, and beauty counter was basically born for me. I really wanted to change the laws for my dad. I wanted, Mm -hmm. I felt like I, I wanted to show up for him in Mm -hmm. a way that he deserved and which everyone deserves. And so when I met Greg, I was like, she's tenacious. She's Mm -hmm. driven. She could be the one that could do this. And for me, I'm just, it's like, I, I wanted to make product and I love, I I love doing makeup. So for me, 
it was like, okay, I could be a whole pie or I could be a slice of a pie. And so that was community too, right? So that was important to me. And I knew that in order to change the laws, you were going to have to make it really big because if I'm just a small brand over here, it's not going to, it's not going to move mountains. It was intentional that Beauty Counter became, that it did grow like that because then big companies had to pay attention. And my responsibility was to make sure the product that I put out there worked. And I had many, many, many sleepless nights because I was like, Greg's going to kill me or (laughs) so are my peers. Like I had Mm. to show up for myself and I didn't want to disappoint the makeup artist out there. Mm-hmm. And that's my tribe. And I always said, if I cannot use it at work, then, you know, we're yeah. not going to make it or, and that was the same with shade range too. Mm-hmm. Like I, it was important to me and we didn't have the luxury of building a robust line in the beginning because we right. were new, like yes, Greg, of course. Know, like a bunch of us, we just drove around in the car in Texas. Yes. I remember trying to get people <laughs> to join the movement. Yes. And like, those people are lucky. Crazy. Those people that joined are lucky. Oh, that is yep. so funny. I love yeah. that so much. Well, what I heard you say that was most inspiring in all of that is that you intentionally chose, I can have this Christy Coleman brand yeah. and I can build this or I can join this other thing that I think is going to be huge in order to make the most impact in my father's legacy. And I feel like that's a very humble choice because I think a lot of people like we're tempted to build this empire and Mm -hmm. be the face and all of these things, which my husband like dies at. He's like, if no one ever knows my name, I'm fine. (laughs) You know, he's like, why do you want a cookbook? That's the really humble, like really impactful, Mm -hmm. meaningful choice. So I just applaud you Mm -hmm. for that. I mean, and now even like the diversity of shade range Mm -hmm. from an equity and inclusion standpoint, which was released towards the end of your time at Beauty Counter. I mean, Christy, I've had friends who have picked up a shade from me and said, I've literally never been able to find something that Mm -hmm. wasn't toxic in my shade range. Yeah. And it's more toxic, the deeper that it goes, the deeper Mm -hmm. the shade, which is just, I don't know, feels like a metaphor for the United States or something, but I'm just so proud of Beauty Counter for really prioritizing and proud of you for prioritizing that. Yeah, no, it was, listen, we, it was always in steps, right? Because like I said, we didn't have the luxury in the beginning. And so I always would think of a shade that you could stretch, right? Things could stretch until we could feel what we identified that we're missing. And through, so anyway, yeah, it was intentional. And yes, we worked on that for many years. The shade development was built out and then released over time, right? Yeah, I I think the selection of shades is beautiful and I'm sure they will continue to grow, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like we heard your heart so clearly about how you made the switch to cleaner Mm -hmm. for you personally, but I want to know why do you think cleaning things up is also important for the environment? Like it's important for Mm -hmm. our, our skin and ourselves. What makes it important for the environment? Well, I mean, listen, I got a baby deer right now, right? No, it's the cutest <laughs> thing ever. We're not the only ones that mm. have it this 
earth, right? There are right. many other species and forms of life that exist and it is us up to us to do right by them. We are a very selfish species and we think very rarely about what's outside of our reach. And I was fortunate enough to grow up on a farm, spend mm. weekends and every summer in the southwest part of Oklahoma. And I've always been part of nature. And it is mm. at the end of the day, it's in my DNA. And I think that's also what always kept me that brought me back to this path. Mm-hmm. But the environment, it's huge. You walk outside, it's like what's the air is covering you too, right? It's mm-hmm. the air you breathe. It's if you're eating meat, it's what your, you know, what your food intake is being exposed to, what you're feeding them. Right. It's just we have to think of ourselves as a whole, right? Yeah. Like we are all united together, every single country, species race. We're not isolated. And I think we think that we are so much of the time. Um, We're in a culture where consumerism is huge. You're inundated with marketing and buying new things and wanting the newest sweat. Like, listen, I I fall prey to it as well, but we're just constantly in the me moment. And we're rarely in the we stretching outwards, looking at your neighbor, thinking Mm -hmm. of like, okay, well, maybe if I put this chemical down on my ground, it's going to kill me, my weeds. But what about the neighbor next door that also thinks differently or has a child or someone that's impacted with allergies or whatever? It's like, we just don't, you're going to die laughing about this. But I was driving the other day in the hill country and I saw somebody had put a bright blue metal roof on it, on their house. And I was irate. I was like, why do those people have a bright blue roof on them? Have they not consider their neighbors? Yeah. I could never live with that. If I had blue light bouncing in my window, I wouldn't be able yes. to do my makeup. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, consider me. <laughs> Seriously, but no. I'm all for individuality and that's awesome. But I do think we could spend a little more time on thinking of others. And that extends just not our human race, but our the animals yeah. that also inhabit this mm-hmm. planet with us. Yeah, that's such a good point. So I want to know, you mentioned that at the beginning of switching to a cleaner makeup kit, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're like losing clients. You felt the quality of your work was struggling because the products just weren't there yet. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious if you ever came full circle and if there was ever a point that people reached out to you specifically because they knew that you used safe toxic-free products. Did that transition happen? In full, and to be honest, I'm quite a shy, I'm not really a shy person, but I am not always loud and proud. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I keep my cards to myself a little bit. And I think in the beginning, I also didn't know how to articulate it. So I wasn't really sharing because I didn't really know what I was even doing. So it wasn't until I made a splash and There were, Honey Britton has always Mm. been, she's a friend. I'm lucky to call her a friend. And she was always very supportive of Beauty Counter and what I was doing there. And she saw lots of things in the making and she always wanted to learn more. She was Mm. authentic and, and supportive and 
it. And she uses Beauty Counter all the time. And she was, she's been great. And I think there were other clients for sure that reached out because they had an interest. Absolutely. It definitely switched. And I think today even it's even greater, right? Yeah. I think, and you see so many celebrities now even coming out with, so with brands, makeup brands, I think Brad Pitt just has one coming out. Um, yeah, I don't, I haven't checked his ingredient list out, but maybe yeah. we might have maybe to. Maybe we but, should. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should. Anyway, so yeah, I think people did definitely begin to shift. Like I said, what was that like 2008? So that was mm -hmm. 14 years ago. So the market's definitely shifted. So yeah, and now I, am, I feel um, like now I feel like we see Amy Poehler on the red carpet wearing yeah. beauty counter. It's like people really, yeah, I feel yeah. like have and they and they love it. Listen, it performs. The shade range is really nice. I had a really wonderful makeup artist that reached out to me once and just said, "I just feel like that this line was created for me as an artist, like as wow. you know." And I was like, "Wow, that was like one of the best compliments." Right. She was like, I know I can use other products, but, and she wasn't necessarily a clean makeup artist. She mm. could have used, she goes, but I don't want to use anything else because wow. I love the texture, like of how the foundation leaves your skin. It's not masking. You can wow. build it up if you want to, but there was also not only just was I developing product from a ingredient standpoint for performance, but also is developing textures and mm -hmm. colors. And when you go to certain counters, you know, the look you're getting, mm -hmm. right. And so there's also that element when you're creating color and finishes that begins to brand what the makeup is as well. Yeah, that speaks wonders. The fact that she's like, I don't even care that it's clean. I just like it. That's yeah. I feel like like yeah. that's like to me when people are like, Are you sure that mm -hmm. this muffin is paleo? Mm -hmm. I'm like, like yes. I, I yes. did it. Yes. I did it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's also too. I used to say, like, the greatest compliment is so I just wanted people to be like that they didn't even of of course they care, but when you're and like you, when you're developing or a product like a muffin, right? And yeah. I'm developing this lipstick. It's like, yes, the clean and the paleo is super important, but you do want someone to pick that up and then not feel or see the difference. Yes. To be like, oh, this is pretty and I'm going to accept it because it's better it's, for right, me. Right, right. Instead yes. of like, this, you, you just, just want it to be a good you, product, period. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. period. Yeah, mm -hmm. which I definitely think it is. I want to know what is your favorite pro Okay, I'm going to ask you two questions. I want to know what's your favorite product. That's mm -hmm. the first question that you um, ever just, created. Oh, that I ever created. Wow, that's hard. But I think <laughs> that there's some newer products. But I think honestly, probably the foundation, I think, mm. was probably because it was the absolute hardest. Do yes. you know? Yeah. Um, because it just was. And I think. Yeah. Especially this that, latest iteration of skin twin, like mm -hmm. it's heart skincare, heart yeah. makeup. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's really yeah. next level. Yeah. It was like a little renovation of the, mm -hmm. because the products did have to go through renovation because we were pioneers, right? Mm -hmm. So there were no benchmarks. I would get on planes and go sit with the chemist in the lab on the bench floor and just sit there and work with them and be like, nope, 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 yes. They called us brutal counter for a while, but 
And that was all. I am to me. not shocked. Yeah. But yeah, no, we appreciate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we Greg appreciate your pickiness. Some, yeah, we had some funny moments, but <laughs> I'd be like, it's not good enough. Why is it good enough? Why can't we launch it? Anyway, and then also, obviously, like the, the heavy metals and powders and yes. working with talc free and mm -hmm. managing the heavy metal content. So there are lots of there were lots of big, big hills to climb there. Yes. And, and with I think, every product, I bet. Yeah, with every product. And I think all of them just took an incredible amount of just perseverance. And I, if I didn't have, if I didn't have my dad always sitting on my shoulder, mm. I don't think I could have ever done it. Mm. We're glad you, you did. Know? The yeah. second part to my question is, let's say you're stranded on a desert island and mm -hmm. you can only have one product from beauty counter what would it be <laughs> probably do skin really because yeah, it's I, sunscreen and you're on an island because <laughs> it's sunscreen and i'm on an island and it's got some pretty it's got a little luminosity to it which is there you go. If you're, i'm already getting older so i don't know how long you plan on leaving me out there on that island but i'm gonna need that glow for sure okay no that's a great answer and i always say yeah i always say from like skincare and makeup the cleansing balm because yeah. it's like wash your face also yeah, moisturize like lotion yeah. your whole body yeah mm -hmm. let's get an unlimited supply here yeah well, that was the that was one of the first products that i yeah. did was the cleansing bomb yeah. yeah and it's it's gone through a like a re reiteration you yeah know, renovation or two and, so. you know listen it's and that's the beauty it's as the industry shifted and more companies develop cleaner products, then you take a step back from the manufacturers and you go mm -hmm. to the ingredient manufacturers, right? Yeah. So they start having to think outside the box to give those ingredients to the manufacturers because the manufacturer turns to their ingredient suppliers and are like, okay, where's your clean? And they're just like, ah, we don't really have any. So, yeah, you know, I think it's really been amazing to see the entire industry grow and through through that demand, then it creates like the need, right? To, mm -hmm. to develop these products, these ingredients. So I think, and then you start to troubleshoot it. It's like, okay, well, just like all the flowers that come to the market now that weren't mm -hmm. you, they weren't oh, around yeah. 10 years ago. Exactly. Like, so you have more options, which is great. More options. Yeah. Well, you came to Beauty Counter. You did so many amazing things, created mm -hmm. so many amazing products, and mm -hmm. you have since finished that product, that process, stepped yep. away. I want to yep. know, besides raising a baby deer, what are you up to these days? And yep. what do you find that you're really passionate about now? Well, yes, I did step down from Beauty Counter the end December 31st of last year. I was one of those crazy people that like, I'm going to go into the new year. <laughs> you know, like anyway, it's yeah, just, you did it. I was, yeah, I was, I basically laid in bed for the past year. I think I was exhausted. I chose to not go back to California. I was curious about being back in my home state. I wanted to be close to my sister. I've spent my mm. life away from my family. She has three kids that are amazing. The oldest one has a baby now who's like oh a year gosh. and a half. And so I was able to be a part of the birth of Byler and mm. watch her grow. I see them a lot. They come visit. And I think I worked so hard for so long that I 
just felt I wanted to reconnect with myself. I think that's much like what many people did after COVID or Mm. possibly if COVID hadn't happened, I might not be sitting in the hill country like I Mm -hmm. am. Yeah. But I think I felt like I had done my job there. I felt like what I set out to do was to change the laws. I think Beauty Counter has done that. I wanted to move the needle. I didn't want to just have more like products and Whole Foods or natural grocers or whatever. It's like, I wanted you to walk into a Neiman Marcus or a Net-A-Porter and I wanted you Macy's, wherever, traditional stores. And I wanted clean beauty to have a, a stake in there. And so now it's like everybody develops clean. Listen, Beauty Counter takes it to a whole other level. And, yes. and I applaud them for that. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. But I think for me as an individual, I felt like I had checked that box yeah. and I had given so much of myself to that process yeah. that I was curious of who I was. I went through, and I don't know if this is too personal, but it is a big part of what I've been doing. I had been married and mm. unfortunately my ex-husband had committed suicide and mm-hmm. he was a musician, a successful one. And I actually, I sit on the board, a foundation was formed for him and we work with schools to get musical equipment into children that have been identified as having a real passion, but not necessarily (laughs) can have the luxury of buying a Fender guitar or whatever. Mm -hmm. So We're working in schools and then through his suicide, there was a bunch of industry leaders who also started another foundation called Backline that is also for supporting touring musicians or just musicians in general to get the care that they deserve. Right. They give so much to people. And a lot of times that lifestyle does not always set you up for success. Right. If you feel bad, you can't take care of yourself through food or any of right. those things. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're just like eight months on the road. Now, listen, if you're you too, that's different. You've got jets and support teams and cooks and <laughs> Chefs, all that stuff. Yeah. But if you're just like that, those touring guys and that sort of, you've made it enough to stay in the game. Right. Which is addictive in yeah. itself. And if it's a passion, it's hard to turn away from your passion. I worked on, I did a book. So <gasps> I, yes, it I'm is. I'm so but excited. It, yes, but it's a photo book. It's about 300 pages. Oh, there wow. is like about four pages and it's basically, we both took photography. We both took pictures a lot at the time and he ended up carrying over his passion for photography and had done a book with Ryan Adams and the Cardinals when he was one mm. of the Cardinals and that came out. And when he passed, he had left a 21 page letter. And in that letter, he asked that, well, his hope was that another photo book would come out. And so Mm. there was a famous, I hate to use that word, but a very successful photographer that offered to, that was new and Neil and was friends with him and it offered to archive all of his photographs. And so he did. And then the foundation put a book out of just Neil's photographs that came out. And then so I came out with this, this book and it's photographs when he was young. And when we were young, neither one of us had ever remarried. And mm. so it's, it's a bit of a love story a mm. little bit. It's yeah. through photographs and also the story of just losing someone you love. And mm. I think sometimes how you don't pay attention to signs or, mm. so it was a bit of a self-discovery. Yeah, I'm sure. Bit. And so that's kept me very busy for the yeah, past I'm year. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So is that something that we can buy? 
You will be able to buy it. It should be out. We just, I'm on the last round of edits. I think it's oh, cool. going to be out and for sale the beginning of November. Oh, that's amazing. Mm. Yeah, it's really, I'm really proud of it. Yeah, I would be too. Well, I can't wait to get it. And once that's yeah. live, I'll definitely be sure to share it. Okay, so final questions. At the yeah. end of your life, when you're looking back, what will a successful life look like to you? What would a successful life look like to me? I think for me, I hope I, I think kindness, just in general, I think the world doesn't have enough of it. And I think that just if I made an impact on the person that works at the grocery store, mm -hmm. just by saying hi and thank you, then right. I think it's a simple ask. I think beauty counter and changing the laws and stuff, I feel good about, but I think you can have a very impactful life on a daily basis and very small acts of kindness. Yeah, I totally agree. That's beautiful. So what is something in your life you've, you feel like you've been really intentional about recently? Given that deer five bottles. <laughs> okay, wait, let's just pause for a second. How did you get the deer? Well, the deer came to me because I had a friend that was driving on a two-lane country road and deer everywhere in the hill country. And these country roads are dark. There's no street lights, right? The mom had been hit by the truck in front of him. And so little Levi was standing and he almost hit him, but he has a bleeding heart. Most people would have just kept going. So he had gotten the deer and then the deer arrived at my house and I called my sister because she had raised a deer that it lost its mom to. And so she had a little bit for like four years or whatever that lived on the land, but would still come to her. But she said, Christy, it's so much, it, you'll, it's amazing. They're incredible species, but it's so much work. I just need you to know that. I was like, yeah, I can I got this. I got you know, this. I have beauty counter. Like I can do it. I can do this here. <laughs> and so I was just so, I mean, I am really proud of the experience. I've kept him alive. I got him May 31st. He was less than 24 hours old. <sighs> I took him out every single morning and every evening for like two and a half hour walks and let him forage. Mom deers leave their babies during the day because they don't have a scent. And so they, if they stay with them, predators can get them. But if they leave them, then oh. they can't, the smell they don't have. So lots of times people will pick up deer because they feel like, oh, their mom, something happened to their mom and they take them home. And it's like the worst thing you can do, right? Yeah. Because the moms always come back for them. But in this case, the mom was right. run over, right? right? So it was clear he didn't have one, but it's never been my intention to keep him as a pet or my yeah. intention has been to rehabilitate him and to put him in the wild. And so now he has two bottles a day. He's like three months, I guess. And I give him one at 730 and he goes outside <laughs> into the land and he already has picked up with the family of you know, no. okay. yeah, it's a door. I literally like my heart. It's like that proud as yes. you said, I mean, as I shared, I've not been a mom or have right. been, I've been a dog mom, but I'm so proud. It's like, oh my God, they're accepting He's him. They're not <laughs> bullying him. It's, they see that he lives in this house and it's so strange, but they're still, he has no fear. A big buck came up into the yard and he walked right over to him and they stiffed each other. The buck like did his antler. And I just was like, you go Levi. Like, you know, I was like, wow. Oh I my gosh. So like, 
no fear. Yes. You know, it's like that. I imagine when you raise a child, it's that yeah. being able to give them this like leash for freedom, but then also having to protect them. And I yeah. was learning, like I'd not done this before. So in October, he'll be out living outside at night too. I keep him inside, outside, not in the house, but outside. And then once he's big enough, then he will be just living full time. He'll just go. Oh, that is the cutest story. But I also love yeah. that you and your sister have had this experience because <laughs> yeah. I feel like this is absolutely like a Cinderella experience where she's like singing to the birds and like, you know, yeah. the animals just like come and feed out of your hand. Yeah. Oh, it's so My, great. Uh, it's really funny because in the book, there's a, I always took Polaroids, the SX-70s, mm-hmm. you know, the instance, you know, yeah. my mom and dad had one when I was a kid. So I don't know what the percentage is in the book, but mostly SX-70 Polaroids. And there's one of Laramie who's now like 27 years old. She's maybe four or five in this picture. And she's got little bit, the little deer the with her. Deer. Uh, and now I just her can't baby. Even. And now Byler plays with, you know, ah, Levi. He doesn't, circle. I didn't socialize him with humans because I didn't want him to oh. be socialized. But he loves Byler, I guess, because they're both little. <laughs> yeah, little people. Oh, that's so mm-hmm. great. Well, yeah. thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah. Where can people connect with you? I'm actually launching a new website. So <gasps> Yay! that's actually will be up by the time the web, the, the podcast, by the time you put it up. So Amazing. it's just christycoleman.com. And then I find I'm only active on Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I hope know. To be I'm doing that. more. There's so many channels. How's one supposed to keep up with all of them? I know. I don't know. And also, we didn't sign up for all of these back in the day. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, now there's 47 things to keep up with. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on the show, Christy. We can't wait to have you back again. Yeah, thanks. It was so good to connect with you. And thank you for everything you do as well. Thank you so much, Christy, for sharing with us so vulnerably, and we just really appreciate and our skin appreciates all of the work that you have done, not only with Beauty Counter, but as a pioneer in this industry. We are all so much safer because of your work in the beauty industry, and so we just can't thank you enough. Everyone, be sure to check out Christy's website, christycoleman.com. That's in the show notes. Be sure to connect with her on Instagram. She is Christy Coleman. And also, if you have heard so much about Beauty Counter that you want to try it for yourself, absolutely do so. The link to try Beauty Counter is in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening today and I will see you next week.